0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks Podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co host, Filippo Silva. And welcome to the Tactical Yanks Podcast. Hopefully, you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. I am your host, Filippo Silva from Tactical Manager TV. And I am alone today as Pete Douthit is still recovering, still on break, but he'll be back in 2023. But I really wanted to do this episode. And you see, this is going to be a short one. One, because I'm alone and 2022 is almost over and I'm exhausted and it's pretty much time to end this 2022 cycle. But I wanted to today do a short podcast podcast Trying to rate, right, on letter gradings as if he was in college, Greg Berhalter's era with the U.S. Men's National Team, obviously assuming it's over, which you probably can't see me right now, but let's just say I'm, I have my fingers crossed hoping it is over. But let's say it's not over. Then how would I rate it? I don't know. We'd have to see how the next cycle would go. At the time of this recording, it's still 50-50. Greg could go, they could renew it, or he could be long gone. But since I'm going to assume he is gone, we're going to be rating Greg Berhalter's era. And if he's not gone, I'm essentially rating Greg Berhalter's 2022 cycle era when he took over after we failed to qualify in the 2018 World Cup after pretty much a year or over a year with an interim head coach and Greg Berhalter took over after back in 2019. So what I'm going to try to do in this podcast is I'm going to go through the tournaments that Greg Berhalter was in charge, try to evaluate if he overachieved, underachieved, or achieved what he was supposed to for the most part, And then go towards like player development, players he recruited, and then a final overall rating, right? Could be D, C, B, A, A plus, B plus, C plus, whatever it is. It'll be a college rating, right? We'll see if we're gonna if he's gonna pass this test, right? I do want to make one thing clear right away. When I think about Greg Berhalter's era, obviously we were overly critical of him. I really don't like him as a coach. But we, knew, we do also need to be fair. Uh, even though I haven't really done the episode yet, we're going to do it now together, it wasn't a failure. I mean, anyone that says that his arrow is a failure, at that point, they are just being a hater. Now, anyone that says it was a total success, I highly disagree too. And we're about to figure that out too, talking here. It's definitely not a, a su- success. And I do think he failed to maximize the talent he has, player selection, and in-game management has been extremely shaky throughout Greg Burhalter, the entire era, and it goes back all the way to 2019. The in game management has always been shaky. Okay. But again, this podcast is going to be short. The other two that we have in uh, towards the end here of 2022 are a bit longer, but this one's a short one. So let's go through the tournaments first of Greg Burhalter, right? The first main tournament he had was back in 2019, the Gold Cup, which we lost to Mexico in the final 1-0. I believe Raul Jimenez that scored in that game. I think so. I believe Raul Jimenez was the one that scored. In that tournament, did we overachieve, underachieve, or achieve what we were supposed to under Greg Berhalter? Now, losing to Mexico at that specific tournament where this generation of Mexico wasn't finished yet, Raul Jimenez was still effective. It was before he had that horrible head injury. We didn't have as much talent as we have now, right? We were missing many of the players. Uh, At least two big players I remember in that game were Christian Pulisic was in that tournament. Weston McKinney was in that tournament. I remember Tim Ream was there too at a younger age. But overall, a lot of our players weren't there. I believe Tyler was injured, Tyler Adams. Um, But even if they all were there, our players have matured a lot since. So in that specific tournament, I'm not going to say he underachieved. I thought... It was okay. I mean, you don't want to lose to Mexico, and he did lose to Mexico twice in a row. Then we lost also to Friendly. But I wouldn't say that is an underachievement, the second place. I would say it's okay uh, based on everything. He had also just taken over. He lost 1-0. It's not acceptable, but it's not a disaster. It's I would say he did the bare minimum, which is at least he got to the final of the Gold Cup. Uh, but in regards to his in-game management, right, I, I mean, no one's going to forget when he replaced Tim Ream with Daniel Lovitz when we were down 1-0 in that final in 2019. So I'm going to skip that one. Let's skip ahead to the post-COVID era, right? So COVID hit everyone or hit the world, and we stopped. Soccer stopped. And then we came back. Greg Burhalter was on a recruiting rampage right there. <laughs> there. was recruiting players left and right. And we finally reach 2020. And then we have some friendlies on late 2020, We have some friendlies early in 2021. And then he had his second big tournament. Well, that we technically already played some rounds before. If y'all remember in the group stage against Canada, Cuba. But we reached the knockout rounds of the CONCACAF Nations League. The first CONCACAF Nations League that we were hosting, by the way. We were hosting. We defeated Honduras 1-0 in the first match. Uh, We got... We were better than Honduras, but at the same time, we got lucky in that game in a few occasions, right? Josh Sargent made a beautiful save with his head to not allow Honduras to score first. That would have been a problem. And we defeated them 1-0 with a late goal scored by Jordan Pifak. You know, Pifak, the same one that that Greg didn't like and didn't bring to the World Cup. He scored the game-winning goal for that match in the, the Gold Cup. Sorry, not the Gold Cup, the Nations League. And we went on to the final where we played against Mexico in the final. Right, um, in that game, we defeated Mexico 3 2 in extra time in the CONCACAF Nations League final. But there's a lot to talk about because it went to extra time. First, Greg, in that specific game, that's when it got weird. He decided to go with the back three. Uh, McKenzie started right, Tim Reem started. McKenzie even have a terrible giveaway to start that game that Tikatito ended up scoring for Mexico. But he changed us to a 3 4 3. Yedlin started on the right wing back, Dest on the left wing back. McKenny and Acosta were the double pivots Reyna on the right wing Sargent and Pulisic up top um, that was also the Nations League where Greg Burhalter just didn't play Yunus Musa at all he just didn't play Yunus Musa at all I mean there were the Greg apologists that kept saying that no he was preserving him because he wasn't sure if Musa was ready to commit but Yunus Musa had already committed a month or two before for the US Men's National mm-hmm. Team and when he accepted that call up He knew that he could have gotten cap-tied with that. So I just think he chose not to play Yunus Musa. That's the truth. That is the truth. And then he even sent in Sebastian Legette. Do you guys remember the Legette era? The Jackson Yeo and Sebastian Legette era? He started Jackson Yeo against Honduras in Nations League. That's when we were in the middle of that era where he had... He never really moved on from all his favorites, but that was the Jackson Yeo and Legette era. Now, Tyler Adams wasn't really fully fit for the CONCACAF Nations League, so he didn't play against Honduras, and he came off the bench against Mexico towards the end. Um, Jedi Robinson, A-Rob, was on the bench the full 90 minutes against Mexico. I don't know why. And I remember at one point Reggie Cannon came in, and I think I think that Kellen Acosta had to play as a left back. It was a mess. The in-game management of Greg in that match was a mess. He also took way too long to sub out Tim Reen. And when Tata Martino sent in Diego Linus, Greg didn't adjust, and Diego Linus scored on us. You know, the guy that never scores in Europe, Diego Linus, he scored on us in that game, mostly due to Greg Burhalters in-game management. He torched Tim Ream, right? He has agility, has speed. Tim Ream also was tired. But that game was interesting because the United States also showed a lot of grit because we had a comeback twice, right? Tecatito scored in the first minute after a McKenzie goal. Then Gio Reyna tied that game. After that, in the second half, late in the game, Diego Lyon is scored for Mexico. Then McKenney tied the game for us, right, on set pieces. And then it wasn't until, you know, extra time where Christian Pulisic would score off a penalty kick. And then the unexpected hero that night, which helped Greg Berholt. Obviously, we talk about how Greg got lucky with that one because then Ethan Horvath comes in for an injured Zach Steffen and saves a penalty kick from Andres Guardado. And we win the Nations League. So overall, that one... What did Greg do? We played at home. He beat Mexico, beat Honduras. I thought both were expected. So I personally thought both were expected. And Greg right there achieved what was expected of him. Now, am I being too harsh saying that Greg had to win the Nations League? I don't think so. The circumstances that were presented to him, he should win it. And he did win it. So congratulations. Now, yeah, there were moments where he got lucky against Honduras. There were moments where he got very lucky against Mexico. In my opinion, Mexico even outplayed us in that specific match. But nevertheless, whatever you think, he accomplished what he was supposed to, which is winning the Nations League at home, the first edition. We're the current champions, and we're going to try to defend our title here in 2023. Then the second tournament that Greg Berhalter had was the the, the third tournament, was the 2021 Gold Cup. And for this tournament, he didn't have most of the European players available. They really weren't there, most of them, right? And again, because they already had played Nations League, they needed some rest and blah, blah, blah. Um, So he brought mainly an MLS squad. So we saw guys like Turner was there because he was still in MLS at the time. I remember James Sands. Walker Zimmerman was there and got injured. Miles Robinson was one of the key players for us to win the tournament. Um, George Bello was there. Vines, Williamson, Gianluca Busio, Acosta, Lejet Roldan, Ariola, Jesse Zardes. Hopi was one from Europe. Um, but overall, Shaq Moore also he was in Europe at the time. Daryl DK. But that tournament, I wouldn't say we were fully expected to win it. Even though it was at home, our roster was weak. It wasn't the greatest greatest roster. And Canada, was looking good coming in. Obviously, Alfonso Davies got injured and didn't play. But Mexico was bringing almost a full strength squad. Almost, I'll say, a B-plus, A-minus squad. And then Lozano got injured early on, but they brought most of their best players. So we weren't really expecting the U.S. to win. And then outside of the Martinique game, where we beat them, I believe, 6-1, something like that. It was the only goal we conceded in the Gold Cup, too, against Martinique. It was, I believe, a Kellen Costa gave away a PK, a penalty kick. We one 0 the living crap out of everyone in that tournament. Jamaica, Qatar... Mexico in the final with Miles Robinson scoring an extra time. So that tournament, I actually think Greg achieved a bit more than expected because with this team, he was expected to hit the semifinals or final. I didn't really expect him to win, but we won it. So that tournament, I do give credit to the players for what they accomplished. Obviously, we need to take into account that the Mexico side we face, despite being their full strength, this is probably the worst Mexico national team we've seen in a long time, if not ever. They failed to get out of the group in the World Cup. They've been horrible. They didn't qualify to the U20 World Cup. Liga Emek is in in a crisis, even losing to Major League Soccer now. Uh, They didn't qualify to the Olympics. So again, bad team, but he got the job done, won at home. Then we reach probably the main tournament, right? Or what should I say? The pre-World Cup, the World Cup qualifying. And we did good at home in World Cup qualifying. Not perfect, but good. And away, we were as bad as it gets. We shut the bed. We were terrible. And Greg Berhalter made plenty of questionable decisions during the World Cup qualifying cycle, which led to us finishing in third place and qualifying only on goal differential. We barely qualified. Now, one may argue that, hey, he did the bare minimum of qualifying. I would argue he did underachieve. And he, of course, he qualified. So you could qualify as the bare minimum. But I actually thought it was a horrible World Cup World Cup qualifying campaign with terrible selections throughout it. Many play. He played Jesse Zardas away still against Canada. I don't know why he was still at the Zardas experiment while Josh Sargent was left at home. There was that Panama game away that he made seven different changes from the previous match where we won and it was just horrible and we lost to Panama. It, it was just I, like outside of the US Mexico game at home. And I would argue even the Mexico and the Azteca, I thought we played decently well that game outside the mexico game at home for the most part greg did not do a good job in world cup qualifying which led to us only qualifying on goal differential and we only beat honduras away which was the worst team in world cup qualifying so world cup qualifying i would he was very close to getting an f because an f is not qualifying so world cup qualifying he pretty much gets like a d it was very bad it was like he barely passed the course he barely passed the course in World Cup qualifying. And then the World Cup, we go into the World Cup. We have an easy group in my opinion. Iran and Wales are not a good team, but in the group stage, we go undefeated. We tied England, tied Wales and beat Iran. To me that was the bare minimum. I guess the the England draw was a good result, but we should have also beat we should have finished with 6 points. Beat Wales, beat Iran, lose to England, that would have been fine. That would have been more points, but we finished with 5. To me, that was the bare minimum. And then he goes on to face the Dutch, gets outcoached by Louis van Gaal. We lose. We're out of the World Cup. Um, And we'll talk about player development soon, which is where I'm going to talk about some parts where he failed by not bringing some of the young guys to the World Cup. But overall, I'm just looking here at the results of the, the tournament. And I would say the World Cup, he also got somewhat of a barely passing grade. It's like people are so pumped about getting to the round of 16. But look. If our goal every World Cup is going to be to just make it to the round of 16, if that's the expectation you want to hold this team to, I don't even want to watch it, man. That's not the standard we should be looking for. Try to get that round, that quarterfinals. Try to make something special happen like Morocco did. Try to go for a semifinal run. Try to make something special. Making it to the round of 16 is not special. We have done it before, multiple times with horrible coaches. Jürgen Klinsmann has made it. Bruce Arena has made it to the quarterfinals. Bob Bradley has made it. God, Bob Bradley got us to a Confederations Cup final. So I don't find making it to the round of 16 something incredible, unlike many people. Okay, But before I go to player development that I want to go through quickly, I want to give you a quick word from our sponsor, and that is DraftKings Sportsbook. And thank you very much, DraftKings Sportsbook, for sponsoring this podcast. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still... Many unknowns. Now, when I'm looking to get into the action or involved with it because I can't play because I suck at basketball, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, new customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So do do this right now. Now, listen to me. Download the app, DraftKings Sportsbook, and sign up with the code TBPN. Place a $5 money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and you will get $150 in free bets if they do. That's the code TBPN. TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So thank you very much DraftKings for sponsoring this podcast and bet or gamble with responsibility. Now, player development for Greg Burhalter. Let's talk about that. Right? Let's talk about player development of Greg Burhalter. So, he did help develop some players, give them World Cup experience and much more, right? Christian Pulisic got World Cup experience. Candy. many young guys were there. Reyna, not really, right? Because Greg burhalter you know, he kind of did the whole Reyna gate thing. But that's many of our play- the core that we're going to have in 2026. A lot of them played in this World Cup. And they got group stage experience. They got knockout round experience. I'm not going to list all the names. You guys know who they are at this point. But I do think Greg Berhalter failed with the development of a- an actual culture within this club this club this national team and all the players he failed to integrate certain guys early get more minutes get them more experience he didn't bring Ricardo Pepe that can be a pivotal player for the United States in the future to get some world cup experience he didn't bring Malik Tillman that he just recruited in in and, and for what to keep to bring Morris to bring Rodan Why don't you bring Palmer Brown also to get some experience in the World Cup and a player that's more useful than Aaron Long? Why did you bring Jesus Ferreira that definitely doesn't have the ceiling? It's a failure of Burhalter to recognize talent and what can be useful now and project into the future. He failed with all of that. And that is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate from Greg. I thought that player development and experience for the World Cup build for 2026, even though his job is not really to build for 2026. His job is to build for the now. But... I think he failed there, um, personally. Uh, I do think he did it because, think about it. You're going to say he gave experience to Pulisic, McKenney, Adams, Musa, But, I mean, w- isn't that the bare minimum, too? Shouldn't those guys be there anyway? Now, when you ask me about, like, Rodan, Morris, Long, these players are useless for the U.S. men's national team right now. So would it not have been better to bring younger players with talent? And even if you didn't play Tillman, Pepe, Palmer Brown, whatever, if you, if you, even if you didn't play them, would it not have been better to have them around, give them that experience for the future? You tell me. I think it would have. I really do. Um, unless you told me that Rodon, Long, and Morris were useful veterans, which they're not. I don't get it. Also, he brought Shaq Moore. The roster already had Scally, Dest, Yedlin, and A Rob, four fullbacks, three of them being right back. And, and Shaq Moore is in the roster. And he took minutes away from a Joe Scally that's playing in the Bundesliga that could have got World Cup experience. Gio Reyna, also the whole saga with him, which I talked about how I don't think Reyna is innocent of that saga, but the way Greg Burhalter handled it after the World Cup was ridiculous. So, in terms of player development, giving them experience, he did do some good, but the good that he did was just obvious. Were players he had to bring, were players that anyone, that was half sane would have brought Pulisic McKinnon. But uh, moving on from that, moving on for that, because if I keep going with that, Greg Berhalter, we're just going to keep talking about his favorites era, giving so many minutes to Jackson Yule, to LeJet, to Zardes, where he could have kept giving experience to talented young players instead of these guys that have no future and no present with the U.S. Men's National Team. Even though if Greg Burhalter gets renewed, a lot of them will have a present, unfortunately, and maybe even a future. Like if Greg is renewed, I wouldn't be surprised if Rodan makes the 2026 roster just for the vibes, which by the way, he probably failed with the vibes because it seemed like the vibes in camp did go a little bit dark at one point. So the vibe guys, the vibes guys didn't really do their job to the fullest. Last but not least is recruitment. And that is where I can give Greg Berhalter full credit because look at it this way. He recruited Eunice Musa, Malik Tillman, Ricardo Pepe, and Serginio Dest. So those right there could be four players that at least three of them might start in 2026. And one of them could be a backup or even a starter. That would be Tillman. But Dest, Pepe, Musa could very well be starters in 2026. And he recruited them, right? But not just recruiting with them. I've talked to different players, and I want to give Greg Berhalter credit for this. He does, him and his program, I know it's their job. I know it's their job. I know it's their job, but they do keep contact with most of these players. They do a good job with that. Okay. They have kept contact with many dual nationals and non-dual nationals. So the recruitment part for Greg, I would say it's a B plus, an A minus, I would say an A minus. It's not perfect. There are players that he did lose like Julian Arajo, that I thought we could have done better. David Ochoa. Is it a major loss? Only time will tell. Maybe not. Gabriel Sonina might be better or higher ceiling. Uh, but overall, Balogun that he's been trying to get, by the way, I heard Greg Berhalter has reached out to Balogun and wasn't able to close it in time the World Cup because Balogun could have been useful in the World Cup, especially because we weren't very good at scoring goals, right? We had only three goals in the World Cup in four games. That is not good. That really isn't good. Uh, but yeah, overall, I would say an A- for him on, on that aspect, recruitment, which leads me to the last section of this podcast, which if you made it this far, by the way, I wanted to ask you to leave a review. If you could, if you don't want to, don't do it, okay? We'll be back in 2023 with many more podcasts, regardless of the amount of reviews. But what is my overall rating for Greg Burhalter? And it's very hard uh, to give a rating A, B, C, D, F. So let's put it this way, right away. Let's do by elimination. It's not an A. It wasn't perfect. It's not an F. It wasn't a failure. When I let me tell you a little story here. When I went to high school, uh, my dad was strict with gradings, with grades, but not too bad, right? He wasn't too bad with grades. He was strict about me passing and and wanted me to get as many A's as possible and C's. And honestly, I was a good student uh, for the most part, and college too. But my dad always told me that you can get a few A's here, you can get a few B, a few B's here. But the bare minimum for one of them, the bare minimum for everything has to be a B minus C plus. The bare minimum has to be a C minus B plus. Okay, that would that would already be horrible. Actually, that would be more of like college at the bare minimum. But let's put it this way. My dad's bare minimum was a B minus C plus. I don't think that's strict at all. I've seen parents that demand an A, a B plus. Right. I think that's what Greg was. He was a bare minimum he got the bare minimum done so you can't put him as a total failure but he didn't do above that he never got the u.s men's national team to punch above their weight so that said i don't want to give him a b minus i'm gonna say greg berhalter's time as the u.s men's national team coach as the bare minimum manager he accomplished the bare minimum is a c plus i'll give him a c plus which is not bad for greg berhalter and it's not great either i think it's fair but everyone, thank you very much for listening. That's it for this podcast. I just thought I wanted to make something and get some thoughts out of my head here and just spit it out on the very few last podcasts of the year. Probably listen by now the World Cup recap. We already released that, the World Cup recap. And then we'll have one more podcast this year, which maybe you already heard it or you're listening to it now or after this one. It's the one that we're going to go through, the top five players that should be out December 28th, the top five USMNT players that you should watch out for in the 2026 cycle with a special guest. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. If you're listening to this before Christmas, have a great day and drop a review. Bye-bye. It's been an honor to cover the World Cup and the Burhalter era. But it's time for us to move on to a new coach. Thank you very much for listening and have a great day.